Today on Brave Men, we have Dr. John Kelly, who's the leading convener of the International Coalition of the Apostolic Leaders, the largest apostolic leadership group in the world. And uh, John, it's great to have you here. You're a mentor to me and a big brother in the faith, close friend of my father's. And you warned me that you were not going to be politically correct. Is that right? That's totally right. It's totally right. <laughs> and, and I want to get into some things. You said, let's break open first... Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Yes. And the core of that is be a man. That's right. We're going to define that, right? Yes, we are. A man has stones. This man has cojones. Cojones. Come on, somebody. And uh, you've taught martial arts, played professional football, uh, worked as an iron worker with James Braddock years ago, which is an amazing story. And, uh, and then been in ministry. And one of my favorite stories, you, you've got to tell it at some point, one of the programs we do about the man who uh, hit you in the face when you were preaching. I think that's a, I think it's a great one. You're going to meet one of the most amazing men in the world, one of the most interesting men in the world today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. So you got hit in the face while you were preaching? Yeah, it was probably about the... Uh... <laughs> Third or fourth sermon I've ever preached in my life. Really? In, oh, yeah. I was in prison. I was uh, preaching. I was in a prison ministry at the time. Okay. You weren't in prison. No, it was called yeah. the Bridge Ministries. I had started it. And wow. um, so I was in this prison in New Jersey called Borden. It was actually called the Bordentown Reformatory, and it was for uh, uh, young offenders. Uh-huh. So I'm preaching, and it's a Catholic chapel, so I'm standing behind you know, the altar rail, and then behind me is the altar. Okay. And so I'm ministering on 1 John 3.16 about, you know, loving the brothers and giving your life right. and so forth. And so there was a row of bikers sitting on the front row. So this one guy gets up right in the middle of my message, and he hauls off and hits me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and I saw stars. And I go backwards, but you see, I started boxing in July, prior to entering the fifth grade. <laughs> and I boxed all the way through eighth grade. I boxed uh, my junior and senior year in high school. I mean, you were, is it gold gloves, that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, gold, yeah. Uh, gold, yeah, yeah, gold gloves, pal, you know, pal. Yeah, Mar like, you're a martial artist, you're a boxer. This guy doesn't know that. He so, just thinks you're this yeah, he just thinks sort I'm just, of preacher kid. Yeah, I'm there. just a sweet preacher. Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so he hits me and I go, I go backwards the only thing that kept me from falling was I hit the altar. Hit the altar. So it was like hitting the ropes, you know, where <laughs> you I went back. into automatic. So I hit and bounced <laughs> off, came back, hit him with an overhand right, <laughs> then hit him with a left uppercut, you know, and then came across again with the right and then then hit him again in the, in the left temple, hit him again in the right as he's going down, hit him about three more times. <laughs> Before somebody could jump in. Yeah, his name was Scooby-Doo, and he's laying across the altar rail. You know, and he's bleeding, you know, out his nose, out his mouth. And and I don't know what to do. So and, and the guards, they run out and lock the door. Oh, okay. and so I'm in there with with this whole room full of inmates. Oh, they think there's going to be a riot. They think there's riot. So they're out. Yeah, because. Yeah. So they think there's going to be a riot, you know, oh, between different God. ones and me and all that. Uh, and they figure, you know, the preacher's going to get. Yeah. Get beat up pretty yeah. bad. And so what happened was. Uh, I, I said, listen, I'm sorry. Uh, let's uh, let me find my notes here. 
and go back <laughs> to what I was saying about again. loving the brothers, you loving know? Loving the brothers. So, and I didn't, you know, and I just started again. Yeah. Next thing I know, this guy gets, this guy gets up and he gets up and he's kind of like dizzy for a little bit and he's got his arms out, yeah. you know, like he's going to grab me. And then he steps over the altar rail and I'm thinking, you know what? I got to do it. We're this is again. it. Yeah. I got it, you know, seven times seven, you know, you got to yeah, take yeah, the yeah. hit, you know, and uh, I fear I'm, now I'm going to just be a martyr. And, and I'm going to I'm going to let this guy beat me up in front of everybody, you know, and and so he comes. And the next thing I know, he grabs me and he was shorter than me. I was about six, uh -huh. two at the time. Yeah. and He was probably about five, ten. And he got his arms around me, big stocky guy and put his head in my chest and started crying. And oh, I want wow. Jesus. I want Jesus. And you know what? A revival broke out. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy story. <laughs> I wouldn't use that as a method. No, I wouldn't yeah. use that as a method. It's like no. we're going to do a breakout session yeah. at ARC, yeah. you know, on uh, how to how to have revival breakout, just <laughs> getting a big fight. Yeah, yeah. But that actually led to a revival and renewal Yes, in the lives of all those men. And, uh, yes. You know, and, and, you know, it also caused a long-term respect yes. for the ministry. And it, and it um, I actually had a meeting with the warden and the psychologist mm -hmm. there, and they were concerned because all of these, and these were fairly violent guys. Yeah, you know, were all of a sudden hugging one another, praying with one another, <laughs> reading good. Bibles, and they're like, and they were, they wanted to know how long do you think this could last? <laughs> you know, and, this is this is and, good. Do you think it'll last a while? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, is it kind of real or what? And so, yeah. but they were really actually those officials were actually very respectful and yeah. very good. They were just being more inquisitive than anything. They weren't trying to stop anything or put anything down. Yeah. You know, you've had a uh, remarkable uh, career, if you want to call it that. But I mean, just your life's mission mm -hmm. to see men come to Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, where did that start for you? Well, I got uh, when I went, when I was saved, mm -hmm. when I came to faith, uh, I broke into a chapel. It was about three in the morning and it was a Catholic retreat. And um, and it was called Crescio. And to this day, I don't know what they were talking about. But my roommate was a guy I never met before. And um, he had brought a case of beer. Yeah. And uh, and he had it hidden under the bed. And he didn't. And when he met me, yeah. we got talking at the end of the night after the first couple of sessions. But I had bought two bottles of scotch with me. So we started drinking and we got drunk. And we talk one another into getting saved because our wives were what you call charismatics, you know, <laughs> and and so now all of a sudden we're married to these these gals that are Jesus freaks and Jesus they're talking freaks. in tongues and raising their hands and all this and we're oh. so so that we talk one another into you know we talk about Billy Graham about three in the morning we're inebriated. And so we go down to this chapel. It was, so you figure if you're going to get saved, you got to do it at a chapel. Well, we're, we're good Catholics, so yeah. we, we got to go in the chapel. Yeah, you got to go in the chapel. Yeah, because Jesus is in the chapel, right. and, and he's in the sacristy, and he's, yeah. he's in the chalice, and he's the monstrance. Right. So, so this was Joseph Bonaparte's estate at one time, the brother of Napoleon. He was a general in the Revolutionary War, Wow. and he donated his property— one part of his property became a military academy, uh -huh. and the other part of his property he donated to the Divine Word Fathers. Was this in France. New Jersey, New York, New Jersey, Bordentown, New Jersey? Yeah, wow. So, 
So then, so then we go down to in his in his mansion, which was really big. Yeah. Uh, there was a ballroom. They converted it into a chapel. These okay. priests. So we go and the doors locked, and he goes, "Well, the doors locked. We got to go back to our rooms." You know, and of course, I don't even know we can make it back to our rooms. You know, we're kind of, we're not, yeah. we're not too stable. So, so I said, nah, you know, Jesus is in there and we might as well, go we might as well get in there. Yeah. So, so I kind of broke the door in, you know, and they talk about salvation being free, but mine cost me about 180 some dollars <laughs> to repair the door. And, uh, so we go in there. And it was a powerful experience. I mean, just a, one of wow. these powerful experiences, and Amazing. and came out saved, delivered. You really, know, it was crazy. Yeah, that and, is... and never and haven't been the same since. So then, never been the same. How old were so you then? I was uh, twenty nine. Twenty nine years old. And I and I and that was in November. Mm. And I turned thirty in December. So wow. it just so, and then. You know, for about three years, I just studied the word, fed, fed on the word. Wow. I started in, the, you know, went to the charismatic movement for about right. six months and then wound up in a, a kind of a Pentecostal holiness type church because I needed that kind of discipline you needed, in my yes, life. You needed something. To... Then after that, I went to an Assembly of God, more charismatic yeah. type church, and it was a great church in Burlington, wow. New Jersey. And, uh, and things just began to happen over a three-year period. Yeah. And then I started this ministry called the Bridge Ministries, which was strictly to men. Mm. It was uh, uh, inmates, prison inmates, and military Wow, is, is where my aim was, because that's where I could meet with gatherings of men. And you had, by this point, taught boxing, hand-to-hand -hand combat to military people, yeah, to others. Too. Not, right. I, wasn't, I was never in the military. Right, but I mean, you had taught that. Yeah. To, to people. Yeah. And, and, uh, cause you told me at lunch one day. And I did a little bit of football yeah. coaching and right. track coaching. You, you told me at lunch one day. This is fairly recently when I, when I said, no, you, you really could, you, you can take somebody down. And you said, I can do this. I got, what was it? 72 moves that can put a man on the ground or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> I wish it was 72. Whatever it is. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> More like 14. <laughs> For just, you, you only need 14. And so I, I said, really, you think you could take me down? And we're looking at each other for a second. And you said, uh, yeah, I could. Mm -hmm. So how long would it take you? You said, I don't know. Seconds. Yeah, five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of the, we're sitting at a restaurant and there's this little pause, right? Mm -hmm. And I look back at you and I go, all right, I'm good. I'm good with that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yeah. test that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you see it in your eyes. I'm not gonna well, test that. John. The, the older I get, the closer that gets to lying. <laughs> so, well, the I'm, stories I, get better. I, I'm 78 now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in my 79th year. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like Rob Carman uh, said years ago. He would always say, "All my stories are true, or they contain truth." <laughs> You know, and so uh, that's the same with me. <laughs> but when you talk about when we talk about this and we, I'm going to go to first uh, Corinthians 16, 13, and it reads this way in, in my translation, the Amplified says, be alert and on guard, stand firm in your faith, your conviction, respecting man's relationship to God, divine things, keeping the trust and holy fervor, born of faith and part of it. Act like men, be courageous, grow in strength. Now, uh, the quick translation is this, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, act like a man, be strong. And then the next verse, 
adds on there and do everything with love. Right. So it seems like in our culture today, manhood is in crisis. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree totally with that because manhood goes through goes through a series of generations. Mm. And so if, when you look at, say, our, our my father's generation, yeah, which was considered the great, you know, the great generation. World War Two. Yeah. And my father and my uncles, my uncles, they fought through Europe. My father through fought through the islands and um my father was a highly decorated CB. He mm. was an under. He was a, a hard hel helmet diver, and wound up as a UTD diver as well, and led a. That's a, underwater demolition. Yep, uh -huh, and led a squad yeah. of men and so forth. And that was the beginning. That's where the seals That's come where, from. Yeah. Wow. And, um, but you have to realize these men were these men were in combat for almost three years. I mean, they didn't come back. They went over and they were there for. Yeah. There was no like six months deployment or. Or whatever they were over there the whole time. Yeah, when my dad was in the Battle of Lady Gulf, mm -hmm. he was on his ship. He said for fourteen months straight. Yeah, that's a year and two months. That's a year and two months, right? Yeah, that, that's amazing when we think about the sacrifices. But right. So when they came back, there was a strength there. Yeah, and the thing that and the amazing thing was, I mean, they they went they they immediately went to work. Mm. You know, they 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 went into factories. They went in. My father went into the shipyard. And began working in the shipyard, and then he heard they were building this bridge, in uh, between New Jersey and Wilmington, Delaware, and he found out that they made two bucks an hour more climbing steel, so he went and got a job there. And by the end, and he went up as a, as basically a common iron worker. Yeah. And within, by the time the job was over, he was a foreman. He was a foreman. Wow. Yeah, because he was a, he was just kind of a he was a big, strong, tough, really tough guy. But a very, very smart guy mm. and uh, had just natural leadership qualities. So you ended up working in the steel. Yes. Climbing. Climbing, climbing steel, walking steel. Mm. Like and building big buildings, bridges. Yes. The first time I did that, I was 16 years old. Wow. And uh, it was uh, summer of my junior year in high school. And I was working on the, uh, my first job was the uh, football field house at Syracuse University wow. for that summer. And, and so I would do it in the summers yeah, or over holidays. And you ended up college. working on, on one project or met with James Braddock. That was the, the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. The Verrazano Bridge. Yes, I'll tell you a funny story about that. So James Braddock, as some of you may or may not know, was a heavyweight champion of the world. They made a great movie. Cinderella Man. Yeah, Cinderella Man, great Amazing movie you all story. should watch. Yeah. And it's in a very, very accurate story. And he was friends of my of my grandfather and his two brothers because they all boxed out of the same gym. Okay. And uh, he also he worked, I believe, also in the uh, shipyard. My grandfather worked in the shipyard, but his two brothers were iron workers, high steel mm. iron workers. So we're working on the Verrazano Naras Bridge, and now I'm now I'm 19. And no, I think, yeah, I was 19. I was going into my fresh, I was after my, between my freshman year of college. And so we'd finished hanging the cables and all that. Now we were rising up the steel for the, for the roadway. And so we, so me and my two cousins, we were, we were what you call connectors. We were the guys that would go out and the iron would come into mm -hmm. us and we'd connect it. And then the boulder ups would come in behind us and bolt it up. And but we always worked with this. So at lunch and breaks, we would go back to the crane 
and we would have our snack at break, yeah. in mid-morning break, and then we would, at lunch, we'd be there. And there was an oiler on the crane by the name of James, by the name of James. All we knew was James, and he was this real stocky guy, talk like this, you know. And and uh, we would we would talk with him at lunch, and just really a nice guy. Yeah. And so, so on Friday, we would get in the car, and the three of us, we would sit in the back seat, and my dad and my uncle, we would be driving from Staten Island all the way down to Riverside, New Jersey, on the Jersey Turnpike. Yeah. And so my dad says, hey, what, what do you think of James? And we're like, oh, yeah, he's really a nice guy and all that. And, my, and my, also my two cousins, they also did amateur boxing yeah. as well. So, so my dad goes, well, you all know who he is? Yep. Yeah, well, we only know him as James. And my dad goes, my uncle goes, you morons, that's James Braddock. And we're going like, so? So who's James Braddock? You guys don't you know. know. We, we don't have a clue. Dense. And he says, he's been, he said, you know, you dumbheads, you know, you're, you're talking, you've been talking all week to the heavyweight champion of the world. And we were like, and he yeah, was. Yeah, because in the movie, he went back to work on the crane. Yeah, he went back to yeah. work on the crane. Yeah. yeah. And that was and, his first love. Yeah, and he was good. And uh, he was just a great guy. Just, and, and he would, and he just was kind of like James. And he had a lot of wisdom. And so he was just sharing yeah. stuff with us yeah. because, you know, we were young and dumb. Yeah. So, so it was, it was just a shock to us. So now we go back the following Monday and we're like, we're going to be seeing James. Yeah. James now Brad. you're all, we're like, how are we going to talk with him? You yeah. Know? Yeah. So didn't know what really to say. Funny. Man, that's that's amazing. He was and, a very humble guy, I'll tell you that. So when we talk about 1 Corinthians 16, 13, about be a man, mm -hmm. there was no question about what that definition meant in that era to now those men. You know, one of the things one of the things that I learned is that strong men build stronger, strong sons. Mm. You know? Now so let me put it this way. Very strong men. I'm talking about very strong and, and you know, in their just their whole their whole being. Yeah. You know, their worldview, you know, the way they go about things, their yay is yay, their nay mm -hmm. is nay. Yeah. You know, they're truth they're truth speakers. And um, they're willing and they're willing to fight. They're yeah. willing to fight. They're willing to fight physically for what they believe. You know, and that's what we're seeing with the Ukraines. Yeah. The Ukrainians. And um and then their sons tend to be strong, but the sons of the sons tend not to be as strong. Mm. And then the sons of the sons become even more like what you would call softer, weak. Yeah, it's a softer generation. It's and just, it's it, that, that thing where strong men right. make a peaceful world and a peaceful world uh, creates uh, the ability to just to be soft. Yeah. And then everything begins to fall apart. And then there all of a sudden becomes a need for stronger, stronger men again. Yeah, because evil men come in. Because evil men take come advantage. in, correct. Yeah, exactly. Then take, we need take strong advantage men. of the weak men, right. Yeah, which is why we have to raise strong men. Strong men make strong families, and strong families make strong churches. And the church is the hope of the world. Talking with John Kelly, who's the leading convener of the International Coalition of Apostolic Leadership. And you have, it's a global organization, largest one like it in the world. And, and you meet with leaders from all over the world, and they all, I, and I've heard the conversations, and we've had the conversations. How do we raise strong men, right? How do we raise up 
strong men. And I think that's the call and the cry right now because we live in a fatherless generation, a fatherless world. How do we raise up strong men? What's your take on that, John, as we kind of wrap up this particular podcast, this particular broadcast? I don't, I don't think that we raise strong men basically through teaching. Mm. I think we, we, we have to build, we have to raise up strong men through relationship. Wow. And, yeah. and so, and so when I talk about, there's a big difference, I believe, between um, teaching and discipleship. Discipleship is relationship. You know, it's, it's, you walk with them, you talk with them, you eat with them, you take them with you, those kinds of things. And, and I think that, you know, if we think that, you know, through our teachings, through, through all of this, that we're going to build strong men, that's pretty rare. There has to be somebody in their life mm-hmm. that's willing to invest in their life and, and be more like a, more like a, either a, a father or a strong brother, yeah. you know, to them. And, and also has to, has to model, you know, we, we need, they, they need models and in the church today, you know, we, we, I think we're producing in the church very weak men. I think we're producing men that are spiritual, which, which I totally, totally support 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but they're more likely, um, let's say to, to, uh, uh, want to sing and dance and, and run banners around. <laughs> and these are the, these are the, these are the young guys that I we understand. celebrate in church, you know, and it's, they may have a hairdo. It looks like a yeah, chicken. church wise, but, 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 but let me yeah, explain something. Yeah. But, but we're not celebrating, you know, the, the kids that are on the track team, the football team, the yeah, basketball strength. team, boys and girls. And we're not celebrating those that are getting good grades and everything. Mm. So, so what happens is, you know, uh, we we are creating even in church, you know. We talk about well, public schools doing this, and so forth. But I don't know if the church is doing any much better as far as raising strong men, because you start raising strong men when they're weak boys. That's yeah, when you start raising them. You know, you start raising them before they're thirteen years of age. Right. You know, you have to start when they're. You know, why 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 is it that a six year old cannot do chores? You know, they have they you have to be able to put rules and regulations and, and make them strong. Okay, you're speaking about something right now that, that hits me strong. And I said it in our one of our Monday night Monday night men broadcasts is that our addiction to skinny jeans has led to an addiction to skinny faith. <laughs> and what we've done is we've we've been really good on affirmation. Hey, you're great, you can do this, but we've been terrible on correction. It's like we're just trying to be nice. So we're trying to be nice. We created nice guys. You know what nice guys get done? Nothing. And it's just noise. It, it, you know, they can talk all the right stuff. I'm, I'm just tired of it, man. I've had it. Well, to be really frank with you, I think we have too many nice guys in the pulpit. Yeah, there you go. You know, we, we need to have people that, that speak biblically. Mm-hmm. You, know, we, you know, we're afraid to speak up against, say, everybody says politics, all right? Yeah. Well, I don't believe we should speak politics from the pulpit. Well, we should speak Bible to politics yes. and Bible to politicians. And we need to be able to understand something that speaking about legislation and things like that from the pulpit, that's, that's, what, that's what strong leaders do. Exactly. For instance, all laws are either moral or immoral, 
righteous or unrighteous, every law you can think of. Wow. And so, yeah. therefore, they, they are all biblical issues. You can find either a direct scripture or indirect or a story within the Bible that can give support to what you're saying about that unrighteous or unjust law, you know, or, or that immoral law, you know. And so I think that's, that's very important. So, so basically what you're saying begins in, always in leadership. So if you have leadership in the church that is liberal, that's leaning left, that's wokey, you know, that's more interested in wanting everybody to love them, you yeah, know, yeah, you know, wanting everybody yeah. to come see them, them trying to be as cool as they can be. You know, they're trying to uh, be as fashionable as they can be. All of these things, you know, to be to be as uh, uh, be more of an attractional model. Mm. Then, that, you know, think about that. That's actually more feminine than it is masculine. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. You know, and, and bringing correction doesn't always see and un, you look, let's go back and talk about fatherhood in that sense. And undisciplined, you show me an undisciplined child. I'll show you a child that's unloved because love always produces correction. And it's just like if we love our brother, we'll sit him down at some point privately. Go, hey, bro, you know, the stuff you said, you know, to Jamal, or the stuff you said to Bill. Dude, that was that was a little harsh. I think you were a little little strong on that. And you, you know, let's think about what it means to be gracious in our words. Now that's iron sharpens iron. And that's what a brother does, right? And it also produces that when you talk about discipleship comes out of relationship, <clears throat> I think this one of the issues we have is that we're unwilling to get our hands dirty. And if I'm going to disciple this guy and be in relationship, that means I actually have to be connected and be involved in their lives, right? And we've made the pulpit professional rather than prophetic. And we've not spoken into people's lives and, would, and, and uh, we've tried to just make it safe, you know? And what's, what it's led to now is uh, the anxiety Pastors dealing with issues in their own personal lives, instability in their character. And, uh, and see, my thing is, I, I believe in the local church. I'm a local church guy. You are too. Mm -hmm. That's basically what you do. That's what the apostolic leadership, right. ICAL, does. Build strong churches. We're, we're of like mind with that. But if we're going to do that, we have to have men of character in the pulpit, not just men of uh, great charismatic appeal. Totally agree. Totally agree. I was at a, a table, it was a roundtable meeting, and it was put on by uh, a brother that, that was uh, fairly influential within the body of Christ. And, and he was working with, and at the table, we had uh, pastors there, and uh, probably the one with the smallest church may have had a thousand. Some of wow. them had you know, churches, churches of 10,000 yeah. or so. And the subject came up about discipleship. And so they all started talking about what programs they use, what teaching mm -hmm. programs they use. And so I was one of the last, I was called on to speak there at the end and um, by, by the uh, leader of the group. And I came out with the fact is it's not a program, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a personal, it's a person to person relationship. 
Right. And it's relational. You know, I'm, I'm not against those programs, but those programs are good programs for teaching purposes, you know, for doctrine purposes and maybe theological purposes and and even, you know, teaching on character and so forth. Right. But it's one thing to teach on character. It's another thing to walk with somebody and help them work out their character, you know, and so we have to have that and it has to be a personal relationship. So that's why, like, the International Christian Men's Network is so critical because after men go through the basic program, now they are prepared to be able to speak to, to their sons, you know, all, all right. their male relationships exactly. because they've yeah. gone through that. It's about engaging their hearts, equipping their hands, empowering their feet. That's what we do with Christian Men's Network uh, to raise up strong men. And I'm committed to the process because the process is committed to Christ. Correct. And when that's the center, and it's not just too often what we look at within our church life is we look at the the usability of a person. Like, oh, hey, this guy's got a gift. We can use him for this. He can do that. Rather than, hey, let's build this man. Let's build him strong so that whatever it is that God's going to use out of him gets used, gets fulfilled. He's got a fulfilled life. Yeah. Talking with John Kelly, uh, leading convener of the International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. And uh, John, thanks for being with us on Brave Men today. We're going to do a couple more and we're going to just launch them all at the same time. So parts one, two, and three, uh, whatever that looks like. Be on guard, stand firm, be a man, be strong. And I want to, I want to keep going on that predication, but I also want to talk about uh, some of the things where we're dealing with in our world today in terms of uh, some of the core issues that we deal with as men. And uh, thank you for being with us, John. It's a blessing. My pleasure. Yeah, it's awesome. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.